Thanks for joining us for the PSU's Pandemic Podcast. My name is Sarah Siddiqui. I'm based in the Professional Support Unit in London. In these podcasts, we'll be covering different themes around training and supervision, career concerns, and well-being during the pandemic. In this episode of PSU's Pandemic Podcast, we'll be talking about the uncertainty that this time has brought in terms of careers, career opportunities and difficult situations and how to make the most of them. I'll be in discussion with a panel featuring an educator, a trainee and one of our senior coaches from the PSU. So the coronavirus pandemic has uh, had a pretty seismic effect on my career um, moving forward. It was a very unexpected uh, event, understandably, and it's really taken my career off to a completely different tangent than I was expecting. It's meant that I've not been able to secure an ST3 number this year. Really, before COVID, uh, I was coming to the realisation that I had given the career that I had chosen enough of my time, enough of my energy and enough of my emotions really as well. I was becoming quite burnt out, not enjoying the work that I was doing anymore and was thinking really that the future for myself in in this career was quite bleak. So it's meant that I've had to really sit and reflect about you know what I can do for the year moving forward. Obviously there's a, a little bit of I suppose pressure to you know make sure it's a, a productive year and you know fortunately or unfortunately you've been given this this scenario you've got to make it an opportunity and um, try and make the most out of it. When Covid started I was really worried about the ability that I would have to explore career options that would keep within my timeline and this actually led to a great deal of anxiety really about the future. I think I really did go through every you know barrage of emotions that you could have. First thing was just shocked uh, and surprised um, then, of course, I have to admit, I definitely was frustrated and probably a little bit angry at um, the process. Thank you for joining us for this. In this episode, we want to talk about how you focus on your career during this difficult time. With me today, I have John Ferry who's a senior careers advisor and coach for the professional support unit in London and KSS. Hi, John. Hi, Sarah. I have Shay Adesalu, who's post-foundation training, and she's a differential attainment fellow with London and KSS. Hi, Sarah. And last but not least, I have Noreen Patti, who's a GP in Tower Hamlets and the head of school for GP in North East and Central London. Hi, Sarah. At this current time, we know that trainees are going through a really challenging time in terms of their careers, not only in terms of being frontline or helping in the pandemic from whatever position they might be in, but the fact that they've had to put their training and their careers on hold for a certain time. Interviews have been done differently, ARCPs, exams have been cancelled or postponed and a lot of other things have affected them and there's been a lot of uncertainty and we know that in the professional support unit there has been individual uncertainty as well 
pre this pandemic, although this is an unprecedented time where there may have been cases beforehand. And John, I'd really like your thoughts on this about what have trainees come to you about in the past? What are the common things that you see in the professional support unit as a coach? Yeah, thanks, Sarah. So, so basically, within my role within the careers unit, I, I see a variety of trainees. Normally, on, on the whole, mainly it's can be foundation trainees looking for specialty choice or, or assistance with specialty choice, uh, and then mid-career specialty trainees who might be thinking about changing or switching specialties. But increasingly, you know, with COVID, we're seeing a sort of a wider variety of trainees. So yes, we're having those concerns with the younger foundation trainees who have concerns about the experience, the exams they might be able to sit getting the experience for especially being put into situations and circumstances which they feel ill-prepared for and then obviously the increasing burnout situations uh, that we're we're having to deal with with specialty trainees thinking about changing careers but also thinking about actually looking at moving into non-clinical careers as well and possible career change but again there's there's a wider remit as well just through COVID in terms of those trainees that might be shielding and not having the opportunity to access training in the usual way or getting the experience in the usual way and reflecting on their career plans as well. So a whole variety of trainees, but a lot of brand new issues that are being thrown up through the COVID pandemic as well in terms of career planning. So John, what advice would you give to training and non-training doctors with career uncertainty at the present time? So we we advise them to actually try to separate out their interest in the particular specialism as against the environment and support them in terms of planning their career pathways. I think what adds to this pressure, particularly for clinical trainees, is the actual career ladder structure that is in place for clinical training. It can be seen as fairly rigid. There's obviously a, a sort of ongoing pathway. And if trainees don't stick to that plan or that ladder, if you like, they can perceive themselves sometimes failing in some way. And I think the uncertainty of COVID, that's added to that pressure. Although, actually, just to give you an example, if trainees reflect on some of their experience today, they're has been uncertainty in the past as well, which is maybe not getting placements or rotations that they wanted. And increasingly, they may well have been presented with opportunities that they didn't expect. So it's maybe worth reflecting that you may well have experienced uncertainties in your career and reflecting on how you dealt with those. Covey's circle of concern is quite apt at this point, which it actually focuses on what you are in control of and what you can influence and what you need to accept. So it's really thinking about where your energy is at the moment. You might be in the thick of it. You might think on an emotional level that might be influencing your thinking, particularly about your career. In fact, you might be thinking, can I see myself continuing in medicine at this point? So it's maybe firstly reflecting on that and thinking, are you in the right place to make realistic career planning decisions? And then thinking, you know, if you do feel like you want to move on and sort of reflect on your career planning in more depth, actually thinking, where's the energy and focus best put? Is it in actually what I can control? What can I influence as against actually what I might need to accept? 
I think that was very nicely summarised and I do like your use of Stephen Covey's circles of influence. A lot of us in these moments forget about that level of influence we can have and what is out of our hands. Noreen, you're currently a GP and a head of school. Can I ask you about your journey in terms of your career? And did you at any point during your journey have any stages of uncertainty and how that shaped your choices? Thank you, Sarah. Uh, I don't think my career has been remotely vertical or rigid line, but I must say that when I came out of university, and particularly at the time that I qualified, I did expect it to be. I had every expectation that I was going to pick a path and I was going to go in a straight line. And I think many people coming out of medical school do feel that even now. At the time, I wanted to be a doctor from a little girl. And at medical school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I just loved every specialty that I did. So was I going to be a psychiatrist? Or was I going to do general medicine? And what was I going to do? My first job was A&E, just to buy myself some time and to think about what I wanted to do. And then I fell into general medicine, did my MRCP, got very interested in infectious diseases, started to think about what kind of career I might like, ended up doing gum actually, very interested in infectious diseases, AIDS, gum was a natural specialty. And from that, I ended up going into a bit of public health and epidemiology, I ended up doing quite an academic post. And then I missed patients doing that, but also life that sort of throws curveballs at you. And I've got two little children and found myself pregnant with a third. And it was very difficult to continue then in a straightforward academic career and missing patients enormously, but also just finding it really difficult to balance full time working. And this will take you back a little bit. But I remember going along to speak to the then the head of general practice. And I was pregnant with my third child trying to work out what to do for a career. And he said to me, have you thought about working less than full time or part time? And I looked at him and said, how does that work? because it just wasn't mainstream at the time. But I think I was a generalist at heart, and that was the problem. That's why I kept moving from one thing to another. And so that's what brought me into general practice training after my third child. I thinking I would combine it with public health, and obviously public health is integral to general practice. But in the end, I've ended up almost accidentally again combining it with medical education. So no, I've had a very eclectic career, and taking opportunities and lots of uncertainty Thank you so much, Noreen, for sharing your journey and really talking about the different stages you went through shaping your career and how, you know, your career and your personal life aren't two separate things. We are a whole human being. Was there anything else you wanted to add to that, Noreen? Absolutely. This is one thing. And I think it's more pertinent now at this time of real uncertainty for our trainees is to not think about their careers in separation from the rest of their lives, to think about work-life balance and one of the tools I really like which I'm sure John uses with people he's coaching is the balance wheel of life you know looking at that and how round it is and not expecting it to work forever it changes at every stage so just you know be open to that you think that life's going to be one way and things change along the way and it's okay that's okay you know you you can just adjust your work-life balance and your balance wheel because it's much more than just about work and life it's about every aspect of that. I think that's quite powerful. And going from someone who's shaped their career and now has settled into GP, I'd like to invite Shay, who's more at the beginning of that career journey and your career journey so far, because like me, you've decided to step out of the training pathway and we're both doing fellowships, um, taking time out. Can you talk to us about what kind of helped you make that decision and some of these uncertainties that you faced in your career to date? Thanks, Sarah. Noreen, 
listening to your career so far is so comforting <laughs> for someone like me. I feel it's nice to hear when people with more experience essentially say it's okay to change your mind. If there's one thing that I've learned in my short career so far, it's that I am just going to have to accept uncertainty, no matter what that looks like. I think something, uh, John, you said earlier about opportunities and places you least expect. I think so far, that's been what my experience has been, essentially, to date. So in terms of my career, I mean, I guess if we go right back, I mean, I did my A-levels, I essentially had to take a gap year, because I didn't get into med school the first time, which I now look at as one of the best things that ever happened to me. But at the time, felt quite traumatic. <laughs> I, you know, had a wonderful year finding myself learning just what it was like to be an adult who didn't have exams for the first time. I worked in a primary school as a teaching assistant, and that kind of sparked my love for education and teaching. Then went to uni, I went to Newcastle, and I kind of parked that love <laughs> for a few years, um, just getting to grips with moving away, moving away from home. And then it wasn't until I had to make a decision as to whether I went into final year or whether I intercalated, which was something I never really considered until I basically saw all my friends around me doing it. And I just thought, OK, I'm going to pick something that I think I might like. I ended up doing a master's in medical education. And I feel like that for me was the turning point for my career so far. For me, that was the first time I really considered myself being potentially really fulfilled as a doctor because I didn't love medical school. And I think that's just where my love for medical education began. And since then, you know, I ended up doing the academic foundation programme in Basildon. I did not really choose Basildon. Basildon chose me. And that, that's another example of opportunities just existing where you least expect them. I loved those two years. I loved my foundation training. Did a fantastic fellowship with the UK Foundation Programme. And then I saw an advert for the fellowship that I'm doing now with PSU. And it was very much in line with my research interests that I first established during my master's where I looked at professional identity and black medical students. And again, it was almost like all of these accidents and weird opportunities that came along just aligned and made sense. And that's why I'm doing this job now. But at no point did I ever really think this is what I want my career to look like and this is how I'm going to chase it. It was just a series of, you know, non-planned events that just took place that seemed to fall into place at that time. But I feel in terms of uncertainty, I felt that the whole way. But what this time has really given me is just a bit of space to just reflect on the fact that I just need to get used to that. I need to get used to the fact that I will have uncertainty no matter what that looks like. So it's good to hear about your career, Noreen. Thanks. That's so interesting to hear. I think what's coming to mind to me is how difficult it is. The way that our career structure is set up does give people the impression that it is linear, that stepping off or doing something different is going to influence their careers. And that's what we need to step away from. It was good to bring in longer programmes and give people stability. But we've made, you know, that's become a bit rigid. And I think many of you younger doctors are voting with your feet because you're taking foundation three, you know, F3 years, as they're commonly known, or the, you know, the doctor gap year or whatever, just to give yourselves breathing space and do something different. But within that, we, we really are working hard to try and make training more flexible. So we're introducing things like pausing your training and stepping on and off and different out of program experiences and fellowships like you're both doing now. So I really hope that people will 
use those kind of opportunities that we really need to bring in more flexibility, even the less than full time category three, i.e. you don't have to have an excuse and baby to be less than full time if you want to develop another interest. I really appreciate what you've said. I mean, I think also people are talking about missing the firm structure that existed before the reform, but actually the process of selection did rule out a lot of nepotism that existed as well. It was about who you know and maybe networking, and that's always existed. But I think we do need to then progress with what each generation of trainees needs. And that's exactly what training with pauses will bring. John, is there something you'd like to add to this? I thought it was very interesting, both what Noreen and Shay were saying, and it it echoes what I hear from the trainees that I see, you know, in terms of a more flexible way of thinking about their career within clinical medicine. Like you say, uh, Noreen alluded to numbers taking F3 are increasing and the experiences that that brings are increasing. Obviously, you know, as you say, yourself and and Shay are fellows. So again, the, the opportunities that that provides. But I think it was interesting, both from what Noreen and Shay was saying, just unpicking some of the, the key skills, if you like, in terms of a, a more flexible way of career planning is really values driven. So, for example, with Noreen, in terms of changing in, in her circumstances, in terms of having a growing family and the, the actual way of work that would accommodate those particular values and what was important to her as her career progressed. And indeed with Shay as well, after medical school, what sort of influenced her decision? It's just actually, you know, what spiked her curiosity, what she was interested in, what aligned with her values and it was and it was taking that master's course which which sort of developed her interest so I think there's definitely curiosity there it's, it's maybe at this point in terms of uncertainty it's a stopgap to actually reflect on your values what makes you tick what's important to you what's non-negotiable what are you more willing to compromise and just actually being a bit more open-minded about uncertainty and change in terms of your situation at the moment you know what have you or could you learn in your current circumstances, how, how do you relate to it, if at all? You know, if you don't relate to it, what is it about it that you don't relate to? Or is there something useful that you can take from this particular situation? And I think the other thing that came out of what I was hearing from Shay and Noreen was actually risk-taking as well, and opportunities around and attitude to risk-taking. And it's maybe reflecting just on your current situation and and your current mindset in terms of are you over intellectualizing what your career should be rather than what it could be and thinking about risk taking what I often hear from trainees is oh I couldn't do that or maybe being dismissive of opportunities whereas actually is it time to maybe reconsider some of those opportunities and look at them in a different way bearing in mind what's happening and just again reflecting on your whole attitude to risk taking is it is it helping you or is it hindering you is it possibly stopping you from grasping opportunities that might be out there and indeed what we often say to trainees is actually what's the worst that can happen if you take that opportunity and what's the worst that can happen if you don't take that opportunity and then what thinking again those particular key qualities or aptitudes are really important in terms of a sort of a non-rigid way of career planning but also what what supports that I think especially in this time is perseverance and self-belief so it's maybe reflecting like I alluded to previously on what's helped you in periods of challenge in the past 
what's your internal and external resources so in terms of that could be looking at your strengths looking at your confidence and what you do do well but also externally what's your support network and again i'd allude to one of the key things that we flag up to trainees in career planning is networking and how beneficial networking can be sometimes networking can you know, draw a sharp intake of breath when we raise that term with trainees, but it can be really, really beneficial. And and especially I think in this time, if you are maybe adopting a more open-minded career planning approach, it's, it's thinking about your networks more laterally. And we'd like to use this terminologies, fans, hubs, and promoters. And fans are people who will support you in terms of your career so it could be family it could be friends you know spreading the word about what you're doing you know supporting you when you're putting applications or doing interviews hubs could be people that could help you with introductions it could be for example people you may have worked with consultants you might have worked with in the past who you know if you make contact with them and tell them what you're interested in doing they'll be willing to put a good word in for you obviously buy them a coffee something like that and then the promoters they're the ones they're your real fans they're the ones that will sing your praises so again it it may be people you know mentors that you've worked with or other colleagues that you've had a particular connection with who who really value you and your work and are willing to promote you so it's maybe kind of thinking a bit more wider in terms of your networks and the benefits that networking can bring you. Thanks, John. Noreen and Shay, how have you utilised these networks in making your career choices? And have there been any external resources that you'd like to share with trainees who might be listening? Thank you, John. That was so helpful to hear. And in answer to your question, Sarah, yes, I think networking is such a broad term, isn't it? But having support within your working relationships is so important so I've had both formal and informal support and I think it's the informal that shouldn't be underestimated as well just the ability to talk to colleagues senior colleagues in in the team um, be able to use the sounding boards and thinking about where you're going and and, and as opportunities for introductions to other people or opportunities and then also formal mentors peer support should not be underestimated we do that very well in general practice but it shouldn't be restricted to general practice I think we all need our support networks which can help us introduce us to other opportunities and um, be valuable for other ways of working. I would agree with what Noreen said I've had a really positive experience of um, mentoring I have a mentor a formal mentor who has been really really invaluable throughout the year and in particular during the pandemic essentially and I think what's great about her is she has really been absolutely fantastic, whether it be finding opportunities to further my medical education research during this time or whether it be her sort of like being a sponsor when I'm not there and being the one who says to other people, oh, you know, there's a trainee that I know who might be able to help with this research project you're doing or might be able to signpost you to this person. And she's been absolutely fantastic. And aside from that, honestly, just talking to other trainees, because I think everyone's coping with this time so, so differently. Everyone's got their own coping mechanisms. I think we have a lot to learn from each other. So, yeah, not just your mentors, but your friends in other specialties, other grades, your non-medic friends. I think you can find support anywhere, really, if you look for it. Thanks, Shay. John, was there anything else that you'd like to add? Hi, Sarah. Yeah, 
specifically in the situation where you may be redeployed, where you may have had exams cancelled, where you may not be having the opportunity to have the experience that you need to make applications for specialty? You know, what can you take from the flexible career planning approaches that we've identified. So just a couple of points from conversations that I've had with trainees. If you have been redeployed, chances are you may well be working with a huge variety of different specialty areas and just a great opportunity there to develop networks and possibly options in terms of experience for audit research, new skills that you could utilise for applications. And obviously you are going to be presented and put in situations that you've never been in before and especially at that particular stage in your training so there's the opportunity for growth and self-confidence and maybe challenging assumptions that you can't do this or or you were uncertain about whether you could cope with this particular situation fact is you are you may not have had the opportunity to move away from it but you are dealing with it and I think for the registrars what, what we're hearing is it's a good opportunity for broader medical learning Understanding from other specialties, as I said, there's a variety of specialties you might be working with in redeployment is actually what does urgent mean for them? So it's again, it's getting a greater understanding of how other specialties work, possibly working more closely in teams, but also another opportunity to develop those experience of softer skills for higher specialty, could possibly consultant applications in terms of the experiences that you're having in, in communication and empathy and probity, those kinds of areas. And maybe just reflecting again on what your key strengths are, your values and how that impacts on your career planning. So what do you actually feel that you're not that aligned with? It's maybe getting a broader understanding of juniors' experiences. So when you go back to a more senior level or even a consultant level, you've got the feeling of being in that environment, which you can take forward. Thank you, John. I so agree with that. And I can really understand why trainees are concerned. They're worried about their portfolios, their workplace-based assessments, whether they're going to get on in their chosen careers. And I know it's easier to say this for GP trainees because we're generalists and so much counsels general practice. But equally, they've been very worried as well. You know, I haven't done my paediatrics. I've missed out on half my obs and gynae placements. So, you know, everyone is, is worried about that. And we as educators and assessors have to feed that back in as well to the panels and supervisors that actually, you know, we've really got to look at and appreciate the enormous amount of learning of perhaps softer skills, but perhaps not some quite hard skills as well that our trainees have been doing at this time. Reassure our trainees that it's it's all going to count you know, nothing is wasted, all this learning is going to make them better doctors. And, you know, even not least in terms of communication skills and shared management in some very tricky situations during this time. She? I just wanted to pick up on things you've both said. Completely agree. The opportunities being there for things like audit or research, which obviously I'm quite passionate about myself. But I guess the other thing I wanted to say was it's also just totally okay if this time you don't feel as though you can do the career planning that you want to. I feel like there's a potential for a lot of guilt there. And this is a strange time. And it's okay if you spend your time adjusting and surviving, essentially. It's okay to not always have your eye on the career at the end. Yeah, Shay, thank you. I think that's so important to hear because there's so much pressure to make positive opportunities and create those opportunities. But even to recognise that you coping and you adjusting and just being okay during this time, being able to flex and take on a different 
role during this time is also about recognising that as a strength and how that can shape your future career. I mean, John, would you agree? Definitely. I think, as I was leading to before, the key thing here, which is more important than anything else, is obviously self-compassion at the moment. What you're going through and where you're at. Yeah, career planning's fine. And it's, as I say, maybe having a, a sort of flexible approach does take the pressure off in terms of feeling like you have to sort of follow this rigid path. And like I said before, you should be doing something where actually, let's yeah, move it to could be doing something keeping it a bit more open and gentle and just having that time to give yourself self-compassion and actually reflect on what's important to you in your life uh, during this period of uncertainty and you know what makes you curious but being open-minded yeah as I say if something interests you or you spark a conversation with somebody or you find that you have a share and interest if you feel ready maybe follow where it leads but also if you don't feel ready that's also okay making sure that you're looking after yourself and as I say I think the thing to take away from the uncertain and flexible career planning model is that it's just that it's flexible it doesn't have to happen today these are skills that you can take with you and utilize when you feel ready. And just to finish, if you were advising your younger self about managing uncertainty in terms of career choices, what would be your top three bits of advice? So it's not a straight line as we've established. Life will throw curveballs. Everything counts. Everything is learning and will make you a better doctor, whatever you experience. And there's no perfect work-life balance that's going to count all of your life. John? You know, reflecting on, on where you are in terms of are you telling yourself you should be doing something and actually is that necessarily helpful for you? Also reflecting on your attitude to risk taking. It's a changing world. It's very uncertain at the moment. There are risks, but there are also there are opportunities. And it's maybe thinking about actually if I did take that opportunity, where could it leave? And indeed, if I didn't take it, what may I be missing out on? So ultimately, being open-minded but being compassionate at the same time. My first one would be similar to what John said at the start of the podcast, expect opportunities in unexpected places. And then I'd say that the one thing you can be certain about is that you will feel uncertain and just be nice to yourself, just however that may look to you. I'd like to close by saying thank you for all of your time. I think looking forward, you always have to look backwards before you can look forwards, I'd say. So you always have to reflect a little bit and see what, either in your CV or in your personal life, are there any gaps that you may want to work on? So that's exactly what I did. And I think for me, moving forward, um, my main, I suppose, weakness or area that I could work on would be academia. So that's exactly what I've tried to do next year. So I've gone and secured a clinical research fellow job with a professor in London. He's a very well-established professor and I'm hoping this should be quite a productive year. And certainly, I think, again, looking backwards, I've never really had the opportunity to just have some dedicated time to do research. It's not that maybe I wasn't interested in it or anything like that. It's just a lot of it's just down to time. So I'm actually quite looking forward to having a dedicated chunk of time. I can focus on this. It's an area that I'm quite interested in myself and I wanted to explore. So actually, it's, it's a pretty good opportunity to have, I'd say. 
I would advise people to um, investigate getting a career coach. I found it particularly helpful. It just helped uh, to have someone objective looking at the situation. Really, after that conversation, I was completely clear of what I needed to do for the future. I think in medicine, we're often on this sort of never-ending um, escalator that you get at the airports that you stand on and you can't really get off but I think it's good every once in a while just to take a step back or step off the escalator and just to reflect a little bit so don't panic take a step back see you know see what areas maybe in your CV or your personal life that you may want to improve on spend a bit more time focusing on and then actually look to see what options are out there don't be afraid to speak to some friends or family maybe some registrars or consultants that you're working with often people have done things that you may not think of they might create some opportunities for you to so definitely cast your nets out quite wide ask for advice and then weigh up all the options the other aspect of advice that I would recommend particularly during COVID is not to base your decision on one bad rotation which can be quite easy to do. I spent a lot of time thinking about the nature of the work that I'd been doing. I had had a bad rotation, but if the clinics weren't overbooked, if I had more support and supervision, would I enjoy things more? And really, the answer that it came down to was no. Genuinely speaking, the biggest thing to say is do stay positive. Even though things happen unexpectedly, it's not necessarily a bad thing. And you just have to find the silver lining in there, really. I would also recommend that uh, those that are considering a change in their career are flexible with themselves and admit defeat without feeling like a failure. Because you've had a change of heart or you have different needs, doesn't mean that that time has been wasted or that you failed. Some people might tell you that you failed, but they're completely wrong and you shouldn't listen to them at all. And it's very important not to carry on doing something because you feel it's what someone else expects of you. I find it particularly helpful to think when I'm 80 years old and I look back, would I be happy with the decision that I made? I'd like to thank John and Shay and Vicky Twig and Catherine Hankins for planning this episode. Jane Gardner Florence for editing. Please continue to join us for our PSU pandemic podcasts. Mm-hmm.